Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to talk about a number of issues impacting our public schools as well as our religious freedom. And to help me talk about these issues, uh, we have with us here constitutional law attorney Michael Peffer. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks, Brad. It's always great to be here. Well, it's always great to, to have you. You know, on today's show, we're really blessed uh, in that uh, we're going to be able to interview someone who is the vice president of an organization that has played a huge role uh, in uh, society and our, our American culture, uh, helping Christians stand up uh, against um, you know evil things in the marketplace that attack the family, the institution of the family. And uh, you know I remember even back when I was uh, just a young whippersnapper, if you will, uh, the role that they were playing, and uh, they continue to play that large role today. So to help me talk about uh, the institution of the family, the role of uh, the, the importance of the family, and uh, the role of this very important organization itself, I'd like to now welcome to the program uh, none other than Walker Wildman, uh, who is the vice president of the American Family Association. Welcome, Walker, to the show. Hey, Brad. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Good to be on your turf. Oh, it's well, it's great to have you on the program. I know you've had your own uh, uh, radio show and uh, itself, so I'm sure a number of people out there are, are familiar with you already. Uh, but uh, your the work of your, your family uh, through the American Family Association from its beginning has been huge uh, on America, on American culture. I remember when there was a, a company or an entity out there that was doing something and taking us for granted, uh, AFA would mobilize uh, individuals, mobilize the consumers to say, you know what, let's stand up, let's not buy their product, or let's buy this product, they're the good guys, let's not buy this product, they're supporting evil things. And it had a real impact, and I think that impact is more important now than ever as we see you know, Target and Bud Light and uh, just you know, all these companies, uh, Skittles and everyone else out there, uh, just completely ignoring the Christian consumer, taking us for granted. Uh, and so I, I really appreciate uh, that work. Uh, but I know American Family Association is, is, does other work as well. What is, what is the AFA up to right now? Yeah, so we're kind of a multifaceted ministry. Um, we're we're a media ministry in the sense that we've got American Family Radio Network. We've got over 180 towers around the nation that we own and operate, um, all from Tupelo, Mississippi, our national headquarters. We've got a monthly magazine. Uh, but then we've got the activism side, to your point, you know, where we activate individuals and families to um, take action on different cultural issues. And my grandfather, Don Wildman, started the organization back in the 70s and really got his start, uh, you know, boycotting different television sponsors because they were sponsoring filth on television. Uh, so we're carrying that mantle today. Um, it's changed a little bit it's a, with the era of the Internet and these multi-billion dollar media companies, uh, the game's a little more challenging, uh, but we're still in it and we're still fighting uh, to advance family values and our culture and our society and make sure that Christians are engaged. 
Yeah, well, that's a, a big undertaking. It's very important considering the attacks that we've seen on the family. Uh, in your opinion, how do you um, how do you see the status of the of the family unit in America today versus, say, in the past? Yeah, so one thing that we have in common today that we had in common uh, back in the 70s when my grandfather started was the role of the family. So my grandfather was activating families uh, against these various corporations and trying to use their, their monetary sway uh, to get uh, pro-family values uh, kept in society and in entertainment. So uh, we still have the same focus on the family today as we did back then. And what we see today um, is many of our societal ills that we talk about, that you guys probably talk about here on the show, um, many of those societal ills are really brought about because of the degradation of the American family. I mean, you ask people, you know, what does family mean to you today? You might get 10 different answers. Um, some people say family who? Family what? <laughs> you know, because they're just the, the family structure that God ordained is just not a priority today as it once was in America. So uh, our main focus today is getting back to the basics. And that means one mom, one dad in the home, raising and upbringing children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and to be uh, fruitful citizens in society for the betterment of, of mankind. So that's kind of what we're focusing on uh, because we understand when you get to the the, the, the basic, um, uh, basic uh, prescription, if you will, We've got to rebuild the American family and get back to the basics. If we do that, then we will see society benefit in all other uh, other facets and, and, and avenues. Walker, this is Michael Peffer. Thanks so much for being on today. Um, listen, how does, given what you just said, how does the family affect other parts of society and indeed our government? Yeah. So when you when I talk about this, uh, many people kind of scratch their head and they're like, you know, I don't really get the connection because what we've done and this is a cultural thing and Christians sometimes, you know, are guilty of this. What we've done as a society is we've we've placed family as this option on the table. You know, either you can have a family or you don't have to have a family. You can be married or single. You just do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. So we've placed family in this category of like American luxuries, like you can have one or you don't have to have one, you pick. But the reality is, is none of us would be here without God's created order, right? Um, so we've got to get back to the basics of the family. But to answer your question directly, what uh, effect the family has on the rest of society is monumental. For example, um, you know, we see these officer-involved shootings, you know, once or twice a year that are tragic, very unfortunate situation. Um, and we go, why does this happen? Why, you know, does a young man have to get in a scuffle with a law enforcement officer in the street and it turns tragic and everybody's upset? Well, nobody's asking, where's the gentleman's dad? Where's the young man's dad? Nobody's asking that. They're not saying, well, what was his, what was his upbringing like? Did he have a good home life? They're not asking that. Um, but that is the essence of who we are, is our upbringing and our values and what we learn. So I really think if we can get family right, and look, there's sin in the world, there's going to be brokenness, there's going to be divorce, there's going to be very sad situations. So we're not going to be able to skirt all the challenges of life. But from, from a fundamental standpoint, if we can get this thing called family right and get the vast majority of, of young people being raised in a, in a healthy household, in a healthy environment, we can really avoid a lot of these, a lot of these crime issues, or a lot of these drug issues, a lot of the anxiety and depression. 
we can really avoid much of that, not all, but much of it, if we can get the thing called family right. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, Walker. I think uh, that is, uh, that's the foundation. You know, if we could restore the family, crime will go down, drug use will go down, uh, mobs will go down, uh, our society will, you know, will benefit, individuals will benefit, uh, irrespective of where people are in life, where they live. Uh, the institution of the family has proven statistically to be critical uh, for statistical advantage and, and for uh, success and for uh, just safe, healthy environments. So um, I agree 100% with you. I love what you guys are doing because you're honing in on uh, the family uh, and the, how to promote the family, how to uh, improve society, and uh, through both AFA as well as uh, American Family Radio. I know it's a huge blessing to a large, large numbers of people uh, who are able to get that information. Now, you have a website, uh, don't you, where people can go if they want to sign up to get your uh, weekly e-newsletter, right? Yeah, that's right. So AFA.net is our website. AFA.net is our website. And one more thing I want to say, Brad, and this is kind of my soapbox, if you will. Um, the, you know, yeah, I'm talking about the family. We're going to have strong families. But um, one thing we've also got to improve on as part of the whole marriage and family discussion um, is is people looking at children as a blessing and not a curse. Mm. Um, you know, even amongst Christian communities, you know, I've got four young boys under six. I've got a set of twins in there. Um, and, and kind of the, the, the looks I get and the discussions that I have at church, even in a church setting, is sometimes negative, you know. They say, "Oh, I'm I'm praying for you," or you know, "Oh, I'm so glad I'm not having those sleepless nights." And yeah, there's some there's struggles with parenting as there's struggles with everything. Uh, but we've got to cast as Christians a positive light on multiple children and having a, a full household or a full quiver, uh, because that that's one thing we're facing in society today in America. Statistically speaking, we're not at replacement levels. We're at about 1.6 children per. Uh, per uh, couple, we're not at replacement levels. So our society is shrinking because we're not having as many children. Uh, so as part of building the family, uh, I think we have, need to have plenty of children in our society. Yeah, the Lord didn't exhort us to be fruitful and, and shrink your population. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't it. It's be yeah. fruitful and multiply. You know, I haven't seen that rescinded anywhere in Scripture. I, I haven't. You know, I, yeah. I, I talked to my, my pastor a number of years ago of a church I, I attended a long time ago, and I told him once, I said, you know, there's two ways we can take back America. One is through evangelism, but there's another one. It's out procreating them. I mean, mm. we, it's not that tough yes. to do with based on the stats and the numbers. And plus, children are such a huge, huge blessing. Uh, you know, I can't tell you what I would give to just relive one day uh, with my children, the age of where your children are right now, just one yeah. day to relive just that one day. Uh, that just, yeah. 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 And one, one last thing, Brad, to your point, you know, we, we've, I think, I think what happens in the pastorate and amongst Christian circles is we understand that people have different situations, right? And some people do have trouble, uh, having children, uh, from a medical standpoint, um, and some people just had a very, very sad upbringing and a bad family experience overall. So we do have all of those, you know, situations that we need to factor in. But overall, there should be widespread consensus uh, that having multiple children is it, it should be the status quo. Honestly, you know, this this uh, 
this idea that a, a Christian in good standing with the Lord being obedient to Scripture can raise their hand, even though they're perfectly healthy, perfectly per, perfectly capable of being a parent, raising their hand and going, you know, I just don't want to do the whole kid thing. That that should They should be very uncomfortable saying that. That should be a, a, an extreme minority of people uh, that, that kind of feel confident saying that. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, today in society— not having kids and having seven dogs, that is like accepted widely amongst Christian circles. Yeah, uh, but we've yeah. just got to get back to this thing where family is, you know, at the top of the list of priorities. And if you don't want to do the family thing, then you probably should be in the minority. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, Walker, I'd love to have you back on the program in the future as uh, more issues come up. And we'd love to talk to with you about those. So, uh, I look forward to that, and I just want to encourage people out there, uh, you know, if you're not getting information from the American Family Association, this is a great organization. I know we at Pacific Justice have been uh, blessed and, and been able to, to work with them in the past. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful ministry. Go to afa.net, that's A-F-A, for American Family Association, afa.net, N-E-T and it's time to get their information. It's a wonderful ministry doing great work uh, for years and years. Uh, Walker, God bless you, and uh, keep up the great work you're doing there to serve so many across America. Did you know that PJI protects parents' fundamental rights to educate and discipline their children and also provides valuable free resources to aid parents when those in power threaten to remove their children from their home? Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Now, I understand that a Christian student was suspended for three days for telling classmates about Jesus. That's right. Tell me that's not true. That is unbelievable for telling kids about Jesus. Yeah, I wish I could say that this is just a, a, a bogus story, but it's not. Uh, this, this 12-year-old 7th grader at Envision Science Academy in Wake Forest, who's a devout Christian, he was suspended because he was telling people about Jesus. This is in North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, the he's a twelve year old seventh grader at in, you say Envision Science Academy. Yeah. So uh, you know that's a, a real interesting time in life. You know a lot of things happening in, in seventh grade. Uh, for him to be bold like that is fantastic. Yeah. And he didn't scream at kids, right? He was just right. sharing Jesus with them. That's Why, right. How can a school, in fact, in North Carolina, you just don't, I mean, it's just sort of stereotyp- stereotyping, but uh, I mean, there's good, bad, and evil everywhere, but I just wouldn't expect this kind of out- outrageous intolerance against a child telling a few kids about Jesus in a public school or a school in North Carolina. Yeah, it's interesting. And the conversation that he was originally involved with was a conversation that he was sharing with people. And then some, uh, a couple other students came in and they started mocking him over his faith. And, uh, and then they complained that he was talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, the school took the really ridiculous approach 
of uh, suspending him for three days. And uh, it, it's just, it's crazy. The, 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 the assistant dean told uh, uh, this young man, uh, this, this young boy, hey, you violated Title IX, which is ridiculous. This doesn't violate Title IX at all. And, uh, you know, this is something that we've been involved with quite a bit. Right, Brad? Yeah, no, we, we, we definitely have. We've, we take on these kind of cases all the time yeah. at PJI. Uh, to go to bat for students and their rights to share their faith, live their faith. In fact, we even have a book that uh, people can download for free on our website called right. Reclaim Your School. Yes. How to legally and practically evangelize public schools. And, um, you know, this is just another reminder of how important that information is for us to get out uh, to individuals to know what their rights are, yeah. to know what they can do. Um, this young young man uh, was just sharing the good news. I mean, can you... If you really believe that uh, that let's say a, a, a you know a boat is sinking and no one knows that the boat's sinking and they're all going to drown and if you've got some life preservers uh, would you just keep that to yourself? No. If you really believe that the, that the boat's sinking and everyone's going to drown, you would do everything you can to share those life preservers with That's other right. people. That's right. That's all this seventh grade boy did. Yeah. You know, if he really believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but through faith in Jesus, then he should be able to share his story, his testimony, he should be able to share the good news of Jesus uh, without being punished and suspended. Uh, this uh, vice, you know, this assistant dean, she, you know, told him, like you say, he violated, you know, Title IX. Really? Yeah. That has no legal basis at all. Yeah. So she was totally wrong. Uh, I hope, I mean, I like to say I hope she's fired, but... More importantly, I, just, I would like to see them just see the error of their ways and repent and apologize. I mean, that's really all that the parents are asking for at this stage, right? That's right. And, and let's face it, um, you and I both know the law protects the student's right to do exactly what the student was doing. In fact, students have, Christian students have as much right to talk about their faith as any other topic is discussed with among their peers uh, as long as they're not talking during instructional time. So that's it. When the teacher's talking, then you don't talk. You know, like yeah. we would all tell our kids. Yeah. But other than that, out in the playground, at recess, uh, at breaks where everybody's talking, a child is free to do this. And, and we'll stand up for any student, and we have many times. Many, many times. Uh, there's so many examples I could give. Yes. And the good news is, every single time, our client prevailed. That's right. But they had to contact us. Yeah. Otherwise, we, we couldn't help them. Yeah. So, folks, if you know that your child in any way has any kind of pushback uh, from the administration or, or just being bullied by other kids because of their faith, contact us at pji.org. Kansas City Public Schools uh, are not, they're not doing such a good job, are they, That's Michael? Right. You know, this is... What is happening in education, unfortunately, all too often, it's a race for the bottom. Let's see how far we can get to where we're destroying public education. I think many would argue that it's already destroyed. Uh, but, but, you know, the bottom line is here what they did is they've now made it in the Kansas City public schools so that the lowest score possible that a student can get is 40%. Less than 50%, obviously. And, and that means that um, uh, you, you, look, 
you fail and it takes a lot longer to fail. You can do a lot in between 100% and 40%, but that shouldn't be the way it is. It should be that we're, we're wanting to elevate the standards upon which a student will pass. So let me see if I got this straight, because I know some people are thinking you may have got your numbers mixed up here. Maybe, yeah. So because yeah. Uh, traditionally, a D goes down to like 60%. Right. You get between 60 and 70%. Um, it's a D. That's right. And a 70 in the 70s is a C, and the 80s is a B, and in the 90 to 100 is an A. That's right. That's how it's always been. That's right. Because we figure they shouldn't pass. If they don't know 60% of the information, then they shouldn't pass. That's right. But you're saying here that Kansas City public schools have adopted this change so that if you just get a 40, yeah. you, only, you, know, you only know 40% of the information that you were taught. Yeah. You can pass the class. You don't even know most of it. You don't even know half of it. Yeah. You're going to pass the your class. What kind of a pathetic school district do they have? I mean, are they, are, they, are they passing this because they think their kids are just too stupid and incompetent uh, and, and don't, don't, uh, lacking cognitive faculties to be able to learn uh, enough to at least get half of them right or 60% of them right? Yeah. Um, are, they, are they giving up on parents and the families to help their kids? Uh, uh, or are they more likely than not actually giving up on themselves and their ability to provide quality education, competent education yeah. for these kids who need it so much. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both of those uh, because we know that um, uh, this, this specific district, uh, what they're doing is there, there's an employee from the district who spoke on condition of anonymity who said, hey, look, this is because we can't get the kids to even do the work. So that's another thing they did. Not only is the lowest score you can get is a 40%, nobody gets a zero. So if you don't even turn in the work, you don't get a zero for that. You don't get 0%. You get 40% if you don't turn in even turn anything in. So it really is an, inc uh, an incredible slight on these kids, letting them know that they don't really have to do anything. They, they, they just don't, really don't have to do an assignment. Yeah, and they can they can pass. Yeah, uh, that's shame on them. Shame on them. Yeah, um, that's another school district that I think parents watching this show, if they're from Kansas City, they're going to say to themselves, "I don't want my kid to be in Kansas uh, Kansas City yeah. public schools." I know that's what I would say. That's right. Um, so Illinois public school teacher was arrested and charged with grooming a student, a public school teacher. If this was rare, I, I, it wouldn't even be newsworthy. But the problem is, is we're seeing this more and more with teachers who are, they either are expressly or, you know, uh, under, the, under the table trying to groom kids into sexuality that is immoral. And here we have this uh, uh, Marshall Pratt, this man, who was investigated by uh, the sensitive service uh, sensitive crimes unit after he made inappropriate contact with a student so you you have this this professional who's put in charge of other children obviously and um, 
they're finding out that he's actually trying to groom students. Now, I know there's always been occasional times when teachers did this, but the bottom line is, is that this is becoming more and more acceptable. And even with the curriculum, I'd say that curriculum is oftentimes a, a source of grooming children for bad acts. Well, it definitely is. And so this, this gentleman was uh, investigated, and um, after he was alleged to have made this inappropriate contact yes. with the student on June the 1st, and now uh, he has uh, been released and is not uh, going to continue. That's, right. that's, that's what we know. That's right. That's the information we have. So I encourage people out there, if you have your children in public schools, count the cost. Count the cost. Because now we're looking about 1 in 100, I think it is, 1%, maybe 2% of kids in public schools are now identifying themselves as the opposite sex. Yeah. They have gender identity confusion right. or dysphoria. What does that result in? If they're nurtured and encouraged, like public school teachers want to do, they end up being dead by, before the age of 30. Wait. And yet parents don't understand where we are and the risks <coughs> that they're taking on their children yeah. when they have them in public schools today. It's not like it was, you know, no. when we were younger. It wasn't. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at PJI.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. <laughs>